Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, we're live on Rock the Next Stage with Dory Staley. I'm Dory, and I am the owner of Rock the Next Stage, which is a booking and mentoring coaching kind of company. We include Next Stage Entertainment uh, Management and more. So, yeah, it's a one-stop shopping for musicians. And today we're offering 30 minutes of tips, musings, and motivation. I have with me Karen Cole, who is a fellow percussionist. woo And she and Yay. I are going to be talking. Yeah, there she is. She's, we're going to be talking about music in the schools and her experiences doing marching bands and drum lines. Karen has spent 20 years educating youth in Illinois and Indiana. She's in Indiana now, so hey. <laughs> and she's sharing a, a glimpse of music education and what it's like and the whole process. She has a very unique approach, and like me, she is a woman in a field that's mostly male-dominated, so I'm sure she's going to have many interesting stories to share. Karen, are you there? I am here. Good. Well, welcome. You? Thanks for joining us today. So you you were working at a school this morning, you said? Uh, yes, this morning. I, I spent maybe 45 minutes to an hour uh, local school here in Bloomington, Indiana, helping some of their percussion students. As they're getting ready for solo ensemble contests this Saturday. And so I, I judge solo ensemble throughout the state of Indiana um, every year. And uh, so I came in and just kind of gave some pointers and tips to the kids, and I think they, they really appreciated that. Cool. So let's explain for the listeners. You are um, like a, an entrepreneur, essentially, because you're doing your own thing. Yeah. You're not employed by the schools, but you're more like a, um an independent contractor, correct? Correct, yeah. Paid by and a lot so of you go into the and whatnot. Right. So you go into the schools separately. And, and how many schools are you working with now? Um, currently, I have about three that I'm working with, plus um, a drum corps up in uh, Wisconsin also. Wow. Okay. I knew about the drum corps because Karen and I have spoken privately I just, in Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> She's all over the place. There we go. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> First, can you explain, how did you get started as a percussionist? Um, well, in fourth grade, when my family was living in Illinois, uh, fourth grade was when they started the band program uh, at that time. Um, and I, I just always was intrigued by the drumline. I had an uncle who was a band director. My father was a band director for a few years, up until I was about five years old. So I had been around uh, concert bands and marching bands and, you know, anything band related. And whenever I saw that drumline coming down the street, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. So uh, when my chance finally came in fourth grade to audition for the band, um, and they had the instrument tryout night, uh, when I came to tell the school band director what I wanted to play, I said, well, I want to play the drums. And no kidding, <laughs> this was in the early 80s, he says, he says, well, I don't normally let girls play drums. <laughs> And my whole Ooh. my whole sense of my belonging to the world just deflated right then and there. But he he made a deal with me. He said, "I'll tell you what. I'll play some rhythms, and if you play them back to me and do a good job, we'll get you to play the drums." And uh, so he did. He tapped out a bunch of different 
various rhythms, and I nailed every single one of them. And at that point, he had no choice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's how I got started, and, and I loved every bit of it. I played all through junior high, high school. I was uh, a music major when I went to college, music education, and did the marching band and the pep band and concert bands and all, all that sort of thing, pressure ensembles. Um, and it, it's just, you know, it's in my blood. It just stuck with me, and I love doing it. Cool. Now, for me, that that is a whole different world that I had not been exposed to. In fact, when I started booking bands, I wasn't even playing percussion yet. <laughs> and then I realized, why should the bands have all the fun? I'll learn how to play too. But yeah, I had always wanted to be a drum chick. And I told my dad, and just like you told the, um, the band director at school, and uh, I got a similar response. <laughs> Here's a guitar, you know, girls don't play drums. <laughs> And that he was kind of disheartening. He actually tried to get me to play a trombone for a bit. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not nearly yeah. as much fun as we, whacking on stuff. Come well, on. <laughs> my dad was a tuba player, so I obviously knew how to buzz my lips. And uh, I faked not being able to play the trombone. <laughs> so bad I wanted to play the trombone. <laughs> well, you know, when you got the rhythm in you, it's really hard to not want to let it out. So good for you for not only playing for yourself, but also helping others and sharing your love of drumming with them. But that must have been pretty interesting to have someone who is uh, in charge of the marching bands and the drum line be a female. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, that came with I certain challenges. It, it did. Um, <clears throat> I think I bring a different flavor uh, than most most of the male counterparts that I teach. Not not to take anything away from them. I've I've met some really fantastic instructors and I've learned a great deal from them as far as how they approach and how they teach and whatnot. But um, I know that a lot of the girls um, get very excited to know that they have a female instructor in front of them and not just a bunch of boys, so to speak. Um, so I think that, that lends itself uh, to to more women getting involved in percussion. It still is kind of a slim, slim thing for us gals, but um, it's growing, and I'm glad to be a part of that. Yeah, it def- most people don't realize that you are making an impression on today's youth. Whenever I see a young drummer, in fact, I went out to see one of the young artists that I've booked for many, many years, and they did a little jam session, and this, she's all of eight years old. She, she takes to the drums, and I went, oh, my gosh, this kid's really good. And I'm like, go, girl, I'm encouraging her. She was so thrilled to meet another drum chick. It's like, we do exist. Yeah, I, I love those moments. I love those moments. Good, so... You, it must be really interesting to, to get all these kids on board. And now you've taken them pretty far, though. So what's the process like? How long does it take to get them to the well, point where they're competing and things? Um, we usually start um, – I've worked with schools that will start the marching band uh, process um, usually at the end of the school year, so May, June. And they'll have rehearsals throughout the summer – um, and then they really hit it hard, like the end of July, beginning of August, when you hear of the famous band camp. And that's where they, they mm-hmm. really start digging in and, and learning all their drill spots on the on the field, and not only memorizing music and whatnot. 
um, that's when the, the costuming and the visual aspects of it all start coming together. So um, I would definitely say by end of July, beginning of um, August is when we really get started hardcore. And we go until, depending on the school and what, what kind of contests they have, but uh, some of them go until mid-November when the Bands of America National Championships happen. So we're looking at easily three to four months, and if you're one of those that starts at the end of the school year with a few rehearsals here and there over the summer, you can you can easily turn it into seven eight months. Mm-hmm. So it's it's, wow, it's a be, long process. Must be pretty, in, yeah, and pretty intense too, I would imagine. It can be. Um, it, it gets pretty intense during band camp because obviously, you know, we're, we're nine in the morning to nine at night for most most schools. Um, you know, and you're cramming a lot of stuff into your brain, and then you take about a month of just regular like after school rehearsals and stuff, just kind of keeping it all fresh and learning new things. And then when the competition season starts, which is usually first second week of September, then it starts getting more intense. But it's great to see the the new ones who've never performed in a in a competition show before. They really don't get it until after that first show, and then they come off the field mm-hmm. and all, oh my gosh, it was the coolest thing ever, and that. That's my moment. The first show is always just so much fun for me to watch the new kids get so excited, their eyes all lit up about it. So it it is a long journey, and it gets really fun once the competition season starts. Before that, it's kind of the gruel of, okay, these are the notes, and these are the rhythms, and here's your drill spot, and it gets kind of boring. But once the competition season rolls, it gets a lot of fun. Good, good. Now, Karen, you and I were talking a few weeks ago uh, about an aspect that I was not aware of. I again, um, I was never in marching band. I just kind of did the whole the Latin percussion thing on the side uh, wherever I could. But you were explaining to me that the the environment of music education in the schools and especially in the marching band arena can be really um, interesting and and not always the best approach to get kids motivated. I'm trying to be delicate here without stepping on any toes. We were kind of comparing it to the movie Whiplash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I think things have come a long way since I was, you know, in high school marching band and um, marching drum corps and things. Um, So it's not to say that this is prevalent everywhere. But, you know, there was a time, you know, marching band comes out of the military um, uh, background. You know, that's where the military bands were the ones that started the whole parades and marching down the street and stuff. And so a lot of that kind of held through for a number of decades where it was very militaristic, um, you know, and um, a little little gruesome, (laughs) you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and, then, and a lot of that's gone now, which is which is great. I think people are starting to learn there are better ways to motivate kids than threatening them with laps or push-ups or, you know, you didn't learn your part, so, you know, you're going to have to stay after for an extra half an hour, you know. Um, but, you know, there are still some holdouts. Uh, every now and then mm-hmm. I'll come across a program or a school who, you know, it, it, and it really doesn't motivate the kids to want to be there. You know, what, why do I want to come when all it's going to happen is you're going to yell at me for everything that I do and that sort of thing. And I don't yeah. mean to paint a bad picture, obviously, of marching band, because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's come so far. And when you have a really great program that really can get the kids fired up, oh, man, it is so much fun, just so much fun. Mm-hmm. And they're really, especially here in Indianapolis, I'm fortunate to live, you know, in probably the marching band mecca of the world right now because the <laughs> America is headquartered here and DCI and PAS and all that. Um, so there are some great programs 
around the area here some fantastic examples of how to teach kids, how to motivate kids, how to stay positive, how to encourage. Um, and I've learned a great deal just from living here and watching so many programs. So um, I, I'm hoping that that's a trend we're going to continue. It does seem like it is. So, And that's what I try to incorporate in my teaching. Um, just make the kids feel good about whatever, even if they mess up and blow up a, a, a phrase or something. It's just, hey, you gave it a shot and you gave it the best it is, so let's see how we can improve this next mm-hmm. time rather than berating them right. for, you know, you didn't practice but, enough or whatever. So, Right. Well, it's really interesting and kind of sad to see that across the U.S., and I, I'm seeing things turn around a little bit, but for the longest time, funding for arts education and especially music was next nil to slight, and that would be the two, the areas that would get cut first if they the budget was not where they wanted it to be or whatever. That was the first thing to go is let's just cut the arts, not realizing that you know the the arts matter. They bring so much to learning boosts IQ, coordination, cooperation, and kids really learn how to work together as a team, but also it gives them that that boost in self-esteem when they are able to accomplish something that, you know, was previously really hard. And once you nail it, it's like, yes, you got it. There's a lot of corporations and, and businesses that actually favor hiring musicians because they have that whole tenacity thing going where they're used to practicing a lot and they they know how to work together. So it's always sad when people don't understand that you're looking at one glimpse of time, but these kids can take these skills and that love of music with them for the rest of their life. How's that for dramatic? Yeah. Yeah, and and it it really is. You're right. Uh, You know, we've been cutting funding from public schools gosh, even for a couple of decades now, it seems like we just keep hearing about these cuts and things just to education in general. And then you're right. Usually the first thing people want to cut is your performing arts students. And, um, you know, I, I don't like to cut anything. I don't want to cut of athletics. Or I don't want to cut after school clubs or anything. I mean, in an ideal world, we, we wouldn't cut any of that because they're all important. Every, every student has the things that they're good at, the things that they enjoy, the things they offer them stress relief. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I was in everything, performing arts, theater, orchestra, band, choir, mm-hmm. show choir, pep club, I mean, you name it. And that was my escape. I loved doing all that stuff. It was my, you know, relaxation, have fun, hang with your friends kind of thing. But you're right. There's a lot of employers who recognize the fact that when you've been in a marching band or a drum corps or, you know, in a choir or whatever, that you, you have skills where you're working together as a team. Uh, you're all pulling for the same thing. You have to learn to get along with different personality types. Especially drum corps, mm-hmm. I mean, geez, they, they live on buses and in gym floors and travel an entire summer 24-7 with the same people. And, and you know, by mm-hmm. about late July, they're all some of them are ready to choke each other. But, you know, you learn how to get through that. It's like a family, you know. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, they're all great skills. And then, you know, if you, you take it a step further and you think, well, what if we just stopped teaching performing arts altogether? Well, then you wouldn't have music in your restaurant. You wouldn't have music um, in your movies. You probably wouldn't even have movies. <laughs> you know, if nobody learns these skills, you're going to lose an awful lot of what we take for granted right now in our world. You know, nothing to listen to on the radio other than talk radio, you know. Um, and we, we don't really think much about that, but if you can imagine your world without any of this stuff, it is, 
it kind of offers, uh, you know, it keeps us kind to each other, you know. Um, music tames the savage beast, I guess, as they say. But, you know, I, I know that without those things, eating out at a restaurant would not be near as nice, you know, and that sort of thing. And so I think well, they are I, important I even, and they do. Right. Yeah, I even used that in a, in a talk recently. It was like a, a challenge to come up with a different topic kind of thing. And I, I chose about why the arts matter, and I asked the, the question to the crowd right off the bat, raise your hand if music has impacted you in any way. Of course, every hand went up. And I said, imagine yeah. a world without music. I said, I can't. I really can't. I I listen to music or play every day. So I couldn't imagine what that would be like. And so, yeah, I went into the uh, how the arts are not appreciated and how artists and musicians in general are expected to do a lot of things for free or next to nothing. And why don't we value the arts? You know, so that was that whole thing. But yeah, but for what you're doing, you kind of a... definitely. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I can definitely give you an example of what it would be like not to do it, because I actually experienced it myself. I, I had left teaching um, probably about 10 years ago. I haven't been in a mainstream classroom for about 10 years, but I went into the corporate world briefly um, and was told that I need to be listening to all these things on tape and speakers and stuff, and, you know, you don't have time for music and movies. You've got to be on task. And I, I was pretty diligent about it. I, I tried to make sure I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, and so probably for about two years, I didn't listen to the radio in the car. I, you know, I was always trying to read or uh, listen to speakers and whatnot. And I finally had a road trip where I had about three or four hours in the car. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you, if you listen to, like, books on tape or something, you're going to fall asleep in the car. I can't do that. So I'm going to allow myself to listen to music. I didn't get 20 minutes out on the road, and I was bawling my head off because Every emotion that I apparently had pent up for two years just came pouring uh-huh. out of me the minute I heard music. And it didn't matter if it was slow music or fast music or peppy or, you know, whatever. I, it was just like, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm never doing this to myself ever again. This is absolutely awful. So, um, yeah, it kind of matters. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, and even if these kids don't do this professionally, entrepreneurs for business coaching, and some ADHD coaching as well, but especially for business coaching, when they feel like they're stuck, I will ask them, what are you not doing right now? And they'll look at me like, huh? And I'll say, well, is there something, say, in your closet that you haven't touched in a while? Maybe a, a guitar or paints? Oh, my gosh, how did you know that? I said, because usually people are, are stuck or frustrated and even a little depressed because there's a piece of them that's missing. They had it, yeah, and they're not they're not tapping into that anymore. And it's like it's almost a little sadness in a way that you don't even realize it's there until you go back to doing it, which is why you cried in the car. And it's happened to me too when yeah. I took a break after an accident. And that same thing, I had a music came on in the car. Good thing I wasn't driving, and I just lost it and my husband said are you okay and I just said I miss music so much and that was my goal to to get to the point that I was going to overcome these injuries so that I could drum again I did Uh it so haha but yeah so for these kids getting back to them you just don't know it's always something that they can have if they're feeling stressed out or sad or they just need to share 
their emotions or their feelings, whether it's happy or sad, using music. So why would we take that away from them in terms of funding, or why would we make turn it into something that's not fun? Right, right, yeah, geez, by all means, please, not that. Um, and, it, and it's also been proven, too, scientifically even, that, um, you know, the arts are usually one of the only things that utilizes your whole brain at the same time. You know, uh, when you're playing music, you're not only re- you're reading the music on the page, uh, you have to use your ears to listen to whether you're in tune or not, are you in time, um, you know, you've got dexterity, fingers, wrists, hands, whatever you're using. I mean, it, it uses so much of the brain all together at once where many other aspects of life don't. Um, and it, it just, it, it improves, it makes you better no matter what because it does require the full use of the brain. And you hear stories about, um, you know, elderly patients who maybe haven't spoken in a long time or whatever and they play some old pop tune from when they were in high school and all of a sudden their face lights up. You know, they might even start singing along with it. it you know, that, that has to count for something. Definitely. And drumming, especially more so than other instruments, because I have a lot of research on this, because I do a lot of drum therapy and therapeutic drumming, as they call it. So that's that's my, uh, we're talking about multiple streams of income, that's my extra thing and, and a way to give back as well. But I always explain that the, the act of drumming, whether you're using sticks or your hands, because, you know, you're you're doing all kinds of motions and movements, you are actually activating both the left and right hemispheres of your brain so that if you're having trouble focusing or whatever, it kind of clears all that right up. (laughs) My hashtag is drums, drums, not drugs, keeping those kids all the stimulants. I like that. I'm going to use that. Hey, you know, (laughs) it works, it works. Now, Karen, you were telling me a while back when we first met that you're a little bit more about your approach and how you help these kids cooperate with each other better and support each other. Do you want to share that at all? Sure. Um, For me, I I think teaching music goes, I mean, obviously there's the music aspects of teaching it, but especially when you're dealing with a group of kids that has to be together for months at a time, like we talked about how long, like maybe a marching band season goes, there's going to have to be some life skills that get taught in that too, or else, you know, they're teenagers. They, they do things Mm -hmm. that just aren't helpful (laughs) to the group. Um, You know, so there are times when, uh, you know, things get a little heated and maybe one kid gets upset and, you know, lashes out on another one. Well, if you learn your part, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. Good, good point. But how you address that probably didn't really help us. And so sometimes I have to look at my kids and and say, okay, now, what you just did there, how did that help us in our rehearsal? How did that make us better? And usually, well, it didn't. Okay, well, then maybe we need to think a little harder about how we address people. Instead of maybe saying, well, you should have learned your part, maybe you should have said, Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen you struggling a little bit. How can I help you? learn your part is there something I can help you with um and so you know after a few weeks of of that many of them kind of pick up on that and then you start to see my favorite thing to see is you start to see the leadership turn up the -hmm. older ones start going you know what I remember what it was like when I was a freshman and I had no clue what this was all about so I'm going to help the younger ones 
to learn their part or to, you know, understand how to get dressed up in your uniform <laughs> with all these pieces and parts. Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes a, um, it, it becomes a self-sustaining thing where they, they take care of themselves. Um, you know, it's great to know that if I wind up stuck in traffic and I have to, sh- and I wind up at rehearsal 10 minutes late, I can walk in and my kids will already be warming up because they know that that's, that's what we need to do to be better. And if Ms. Cole was mm-hmm. here, she would tell us to warm up. So we're just going to do that. Um, you know, that's a great feeling to know that it kind of sustains itself even without you. And I think that's what most parents want for their kids. You know, they, they raise them, they turn 18, they go out on their own, and they want to know that they're going to be able to, you know, do their laundry and drive a car and get a job. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel the same way about my musicians and the fact that at least on the musician end of things, they, they should know what it takes to be a good musician, and that requires practice and warming up and being on time and, and all of those things. There's a lot of life skills that go behind that. Um, and, you know, I think, again, it's, it's the approach. As much as I ask my kids, how did that make us better? Could you think of a better way to come up with that? Well, I have to ask myself that, too. There are times when, when kids mm-hmm. grade on you and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to crown this kid one if he doesn't stop doing this. <laughs> you know, and then you have to ask yourself, okay, so what do I say to the students to make them understand, you know, why it's important that they do this or don't do this, and what way can I present it to them and the fact that they won't think that I'm attacking them coming down on them. And I think that's, that's a really important piece that I use in my teaching um, that I, I, like I said, we, we are moving in the right direction, but I don't necessarily always see that from some people. And I think it's critical, it's, uh, not only for you as an instructor, but it helps them to grow realizing, well, how would, how would this have been handled by my teachers? Oh, so as an adult, mm-hmm. when I'm supervising or I'm a manager, I can use those skills as well to make the company better or the store better, the restaurant better. So I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of life skills that go behind it as well. It's not just all about music. Right. So that is a different approach. You know, you've got the, the softer side there, the female side coming in and looking at the big picture and doing more than just, you know, getting on their cases and telling them that, you know, you're off tempo and blah, blah, blah. And, and screaming at them all the time, <laughs> just like the instructor in the movie Drumline. It's just, yeah, uh, I call that a direction you definitely that don't want to go. Yeah, I call that technique that that sucks, do it again. <laughs> and that doesn't really yeah. happen. You know, that, was, that was awful, just do it again. Well, how? How do I need to fix it? What do I need to do to make it better? Right. The kids may not always know, so, yeah. So this more comprehensive and nurturing approach has obviously worked for you because you've taken your kids to many competitions and they've actually done pretty well. You want to tell the audience how well they've done? Well, I, you know, I've, I've come from some really great programs. Um, one of the program here at Bloomington North High School, I've been with them for a couple of years now, and uh, we've made state finals for marching band uh, both years. And the winter percussion last year uh, placed in the top four in the state for their class. Uh, previous to that, mm-hmm. some of the other schools I worked at, I, I, you know, we, our groups always placed in the top three for winter percussion in the state. Uh, my first year putting a little percussion group together myself, choosing the music and the costumes and running the rehearsals, we, we started out and I thought I'd be just happy if we came in like the, like sixth place. I'd be happy. And we wound up in third. We wound up, meddling that year so that was pretty exciting too and um 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that approach has been quite successful uh, because it just it just fosters cooperation and teamwork, and obviously it pays off. And I also don't focus on winning. I mean, I'm never telling my kids, okay, we have to go out and get third place this time so we can get second place next time and first place the time after that. I, that. That's really not it. I'm always telling my kids, let's just go out and be our best. You know, you need to come off that field or that court feeling like a million dollars that you left it all out there and you did everything you could have. And then after that, it's up to the judges. I mean, it's all subjective anyway. Mm-hmm. They're either going to like you or they don't. And you have no control over that. But you do have control over your performance. So let's just focus on that. You have a great performance, it will pay off. And it does. I think the focus is the right way to go, too. You can't focus on trophies and uh, winning first place medals. It just puts too much pressure mm-hmm. on everybody. Right. And the whole experience itself is, is more of a listen. They, these kids, in case any parents are listening, this is something they can put on their high school transcripts. And yes, colleges are interested in this kind of stuff. I did a brief student in college admission, so I can tell you this for sure. And yeah, they can get right. scholarships from this, you know. So the music department at the different yeah. colleges certainly would be interested in that. Ka-ching! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, right. And yeah. From, That's not yeah, a really. Now, and speaking of Ka-ching, from a, a musician standpoint, if anyone's listening, you might have picked up on the fact that Karen and I do an, different things to create multiple streams of income within music. So when people say, oh, yeah, i, I got to have, have a day job, and maybe that's true for some, but if you can find other ways of teaching, like Karen's doing, and she's got different schools that she works at, you've got the Fife and Drum Corps in Wisconsin, and then, you know, I've got my classes and group sessions, and work. I, I bring all my drums out. I have uh, drums and percussion instruments, enough for 50 people, and I work with kids with special needs, ADHD, uh, seniors, stressed out entrepreneurs. <laughs> and sometimes we just, I drum for fun. I'll have a fun workshop or event. So, yeah, if you're wondering, how can I use my love of music and my talent in, in different ways? You know, that's those are just some examples. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, Karen? Um. You know, we've covered a lot of things, and and I think you and I, in talking earlier, um, you and I could probably put on a four-hour podcast if we wanted to. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, keep it to a half an hour <laughs> right? This is a passion of mine, and I, you know, and I could go on forever. But I really do feel it's important to be the positive role model for the kids, um, and teaching those life skills, and having them focus on just being the best person they can be. Um, and, and you know, and that's that. Those are just such great lessons to learn, just for life in general. Whether you learn them through music, or you learn them from your parents, or wherever they may have come from. And I'm, I just feel fortunate to get to be a part of that. And I have contact with so many former students who have now grown. Mm-hmm. They may be music people, they may not be. Have kids of their own and stuff. And it's just so neat to see them grow up and, um, you know, to come back and talk to you and tell you how how much they miss playing or what they learned from you. It's it's really quite a rewarding experience, and I guess that's why I do it. So Awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. Let me tell everybody how they can find you if they have any additional questions. You can go to Karen's website, which is kcolepercussion.com. That's the letter K and then C-O-L-E, percussion.com. If you have any questions for me or want to find out more about what I do, I'm at rockthenextstage.com. 
but you can shoot me an email at dory, D-O-R-I, at rockthenextstage.com. I do have a best-selling book out there. It's on my website. It's also on Amazon called Find Your Divine Rhythm, A Creative Success Formula. I even have a chapter in there where I talk about uh, some of the schools and, and different things that they did over the years that a lot of parents don't realize and how funding and stuff got cut. But it's also a, a book to help creatives uh, create a business doing what they love. I have an upcoming online training program specifically for musicians and singers. It's more the business side of things, and that'll be a six-week program. So stay tuned for that. Find me on Facebook. Karen, you're on Facebook as well. You have a business page, right? I am. Just search in Facebook for K. Cole Percussion again, and you'll run right into me. Cool. So, yeah, and I'm Rock the Next Stage or Next Stage Entertainment, both on Facebook and Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. So till next time, folks. You guys keep on rocking and come back here next Wednesday at 1 o'clock Eastern and we will have another exciting episode of Rock the Next Stage and uh, a lot of cool information shared there by another fellow drummer. (laughs) It seems to have a lot of drummers lined up, so hey, why not? It's all good. Karen, thanks again and I'll talk to you real soon, everyone else. Till next time, bye for now.